What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Mid-Range Game Podcast. I'm your host, Ole Defense1033. Hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. Uh, Got a chance to enjoy some of this weather out here. I know in Chicago, it was 80 Saturday, uh, 70 Sunday, both days sunshine. Um, I know Saturday, um, I got a chance to get out there and enjoy the weather with, with my wife my sister-in-law, my niece, nothing fancy, you know, just good food, good company, sunshine, warm weather. That's all you need. Today, I am talking Bulls Jazz Game 6. Um, you know, just why it was a good game, why it was an important game, and, you know, why the 98 season along with this particular game cemented Jordan's legacy as the GOAT to me. Um, But before I get to that, I actually want to talk about the year 1998. I'm going to go over, you know, a few of the headlines, you know, some of the music and movies of that year. Uh, I'm going to start with the headlines first. Uh, 1998, this was the year of the Clinton Monica Lewinsky scandal. Um, I actually thought it was it was a little earlier. <laughs> I thought it was like 95 or 96, but uh, this actually happened in 1998. Uh, long story short, this whole scandal was a domestic issue. Uh, basically, Bill got tired of Hillary Dryhead and he needed a fresh mouth and a fresh pair of lips to get him some head. That's pretty much it. That was pretty much what this shit was about. This was a domestic issue over some head. Um, moving on <laughs> um, the FDA approved the use of the magic blue pill that gave old man and impotent man hope Viagra <laughs> Viagra came out in 1998 boy it saved a lot of old dicks um, I swear um, but yeah 1998 was the year of Viagra uh, this was also the year of the Sosa McGuire home run record chase uh, which took baseball off of life support and gave it a pulse for the first time since their lockout ended in 95. Um, I'm not sure where baseball would be if not for social McGuire and steroids. Uh, it's a good chance that you know, we wouldn't, it wouldn't be an MLB at all without those three. Um, so um, really save baseball. You know, and I know steroids is is bad and everything, but we got some good ass. We got a lot of good baseballs result of steroids, and it's better than this shit that we're actually seeing on the field now. So, you know, I don't know what the answer is. They can put in all the pitch clocks that they want and, and you know, change the rules as much as they want. But um, this pretty this era, the steroid era of baseball was, was pretty entertaining. You know, it, it was worth it. You know, steroids was worth it because we had such a great rivalry with the Yankees and the Red Sox. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a novice baseball fan. And and, you know, those those two had some great, some epic games, you know, during the steroid era. And I'm sure most of them, if not all of them, was already the fuck up. But, you know, nevertheless, we got some good baseball as a result of it. So, um, moving on. I'm going to move on to movies. 
Two of my favorite movies came out in 1998, um, Rush Hour and Blade. Um, you know, if y'all don't know Rush Hour, Jackie Chan, Chris Tucker, I mean, it's buddy cop movie with a twist. Uh, it's a hilarious movie. <laughs> it, it really is. And, uh, you know, Blade 2 was a was one of, I want to say it was the first wasn't a, a Marvel Studios movie, but it was like one of the, the first Marvel movies that kind of put superhero movies on the map. You know, after this, you know, we got Blade 2, but then after Blade 2, the success of it, we ended up getting more comic book movies. I just saw that's when we got X-Men and uh, I want to say 99 and 2000. And from there, you know, we just went into like, the world just went to full superhero movie craze and you know we're still at that craze right now as a result um you know had uh, one of my favorite actors nino brown in it as blade um you know i'm, I'm obviously i know his his real name is wesley snipes but i'm not always going to call him nino brown because of new jack city you know no matter how many movies he make you know how many role he plays he's always gonna be nino brown to me um that's because Nino brown was that dude uh such a great one of the greatest villains that you'll see in a movie uh and wesley snipes played him to a t man he's a he's a hell of an actor um another one of my uh favorite movies came out in 1998 the replacement killers with chow young fat and mira savino um if you're a fan of action, you know, without much storyline and you just want to see bullets flying, people getting shot up, people getting their ass kicked. This is the movie for you. This movie ain't even long. either. I think this movie is like an hour and 20 minutes. I mean, you in and out of there, you are entertained for them hour and 20 minutes. Like, I want to say the first five movies, first five minutes of the movies is the setup for the movie. And immediately after that, you get gunfire and everything. Uh, it's such an entertaining movie. You know, if you, you know, if you, like I said, if you're not looking for, you know, to get emotionally invested in the storyline and you just want to see some people get fucked up, that's the movie for you. You had the negotiator with Sam Jackson. Kevin Spacey came out uh, in 1998. It's a very good movie. Um, and I think it was one of those big roles for Sam Jackson that showed that he can do more than just say motherfucker and fuck you. And, you know, he actually did some really got to show his range as an actor in this movie along with, you know, and, you know, just just he did a hell of a job. Uh, so proud of Sam Jackson. Um, now I'm not a war movie fan, but these two movies were outstanding. You had the Thin Red Line, and you had Saving Private Ryan. I mean, I, I don't know, I don't know a soul that don't like Saving Private Ryan. You know, just such a good movie, and and you know Tom Hanks, you know, death scene at toward the end of the movie, man. And, you know, still is like one of the most powerful scenes that you will see in the movie. Um, you had cult classics like Half Baked in 1998, which Dave Chappelle. <laughs> that shit was hilarious. Uh, if y'all ain't seen Half Baked, um, it's out there. Find it. Um, you know, my man Dave Chappelle took a woman out on the four day with eight dollars. 
<laughs> stole three of the dollars from a homeless dude. I swear, this shit, this shit is funny as hell, man. If y'all ain't seen it, please check it out. Uh, I can I can describe it, but it ain't gonna do it justice. It's just funny. It's if you. It's just the perfect movie if you if you high as hell and you just want to laugh. That's the type of movie that uh, Half Baked is. Rounders with Matt Damon, Ed Norton came out in 1989, 1989, excuse me, excuse me, <laughs> 1998. Hey, I ain't no professional at this at all, so please bear with me. Um, and of course, uh, you had that douchebag John Malkovich uh, in this movie as well. And I don't mean that seriously. I don't know this man personally. I ain't heard shit about him, but he just plays an asshole amazingly well, in regards to the movie that he's in. Brownders uh, was a classic. Uh, uh, shit, you had the Big Lebowski that came out this year. Another classic. Um, uh, Damn, Waterboy, really? Shit. I thought Waterboy came out in the 2000s, but no. It, Waterboy came out in 1998. <laughs> wow, this 1998 was stacked, man. I'm, I'm, I'm telling y'all, I, I haven't even gotten to like half of the movies that came out in 1998. This is just some, you know. I'm a, I was going to mention that god-awful Godzilla movie. That they that they made it came out this year, but I ain't even go go into that because I'm a big Godzilla fan. You know what they did, what they what they did was just disrespectful to Godzilla. Godzilla should have came up out the fucking ocean and just fucking blew the damn city up just 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 for the idea of them remaking just just for the idea of that model that they came out with that monster model was was it Zilla. Ah, uh, uh, it was ah. Uh, they just took they took a great they took a great series and he almost just buried it <laughs> right then and there with this guy's other movie. But I ain't go. I'm I'm gonna stop rambling on about it. Like I said, I'm a big guy's other fan, so I'm gonna stop rambling on about it. Um, you also had uh, you had as far as good movies, you had American History X with Ed Norton, uh, which was. A classic about a reformed skinhead who kind of sees the error in his ways and tries to keep his brother from falling in his footsteps. Um, great movie. And then you had the hood classic Belly with Nas and DMX, baby. Woo! Yeah, this came out in 1998. Um, classic hood movie. And that's pretty much sums up 1998 as far as the music movies and the headlines i mean i could go on but you know then this would be a fucking five-hour podcast ain't nobody trying to sit through no damn five-hour podcast i'm damn sure i ain't about to be trying to talk up <laughs> on this podcast for five hours nobody wants that um but i got to the gist of it and when i come back from this quick break I'm going to get into Bulls Jazz Game 6 next on NBA on NBC. (laughs) 
Bulls versus Jazz game six. Utah tied the Bulls with the best record in the league at 62 wins. Utah aren't the tiebreaker over a win that they had over the Bulls in Utah in late February. Um, Utah actually came back from a 25-point deficit uh, to win that game, and that's how they were able to get home court advantage uh, over the Bulls in this series. The Jazz entered the finals coming off a six-pack of whoop-ass that they opened up on the 61-win Lakers. They swept them right off their own court. <laughs> that Laker team had Shaq, Eddie Jones, Nick Van Axel, uh, young Robert Ory, young Rick Fox, and they had uh, young Bean Bryant. <laughs> That's four all-stars, man. Shaq, Nick Van Axel, Kobe, uh, Eddie Jones. Man, I can't say enough uh, how loaded that Laker team was. Um, probably one of the more loaded teams of the 90s, if not the most loaded, and definitely the most loaded since the 80s. Um, I can't say enough how good the, the Jazz were. I mean, to sweep that team off the court, I mean, that's, that's evidence right there that the Jazz were legit. They outplayed the younger, deeper, you know, more talented Lakers. You know, outsmarted them, picked them apart, and you really just embarrassed them. Um, Utah had a way of like, you know, embarrassing teams just by picking them apart. Uh, the '98 Jazz were like a well-oiled machine. That definitely, and I mean definitely, was not the case for the Bulls in '98. I mean, from jump. The 98 season for the Bulls was a shit show. Jerry Krause, the GM, said, fuck you, Phil. You ain't coming back. Scotty said, fuck you, Jerry Krause. Pay me or trade me. Scotty delayed his back surgery out of spite uh, for the organization and for Krause. Um, you know, I'm sure y'all have seen The Last Dance. And by now, if y'all ain't seen it, then look, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but, um, you know, living in Chicago, uh, reading this shit in the papers and seeing this shit play out on ESPN, um, you know, at the time, this shit was crazy, y'all. I mean, it was, this shit was unbelievable. Um, the Bulls actually got off to a pretty slow start. Um, they started off nine and eight to be exact, um. You know, no Pippen for, for half the year. Pippen only played 44 games that season. Uh, Rodman was declining, and he was actually replaced in the starting lineup by Ku Coach. Um, this was probably the worst group of role players that the Bulls had in the championship years. But that being said, the Bulls started getting their shit together. Um, in January, uh, Pippen returned also in late January. And the Bulls reminded dudes that, hey, the champs are still here. Uh, MJ, I believe, had the GOAT season of his career. Um, Stat-wise, it was probably the worst season of his career, to be honest. Uh, you know, 28, 5, and 3, you know, close to two steals a game, you know, 46% from the floor. Uh, but when you consider all the factors, you know, the shit show between the players and the organization. No Pippen for half the year. Rodman declined. You know, the overall age of the team. The Bulls were the oldest team in the league. Um, 
diminishing athleticism of Jordan. Uh, very little offensive help by Sal Kukoc for, for much of the year. For much of the year, um, that's why I say this is a ghost season. Um, you know, not a lot of guys would have been able to overcome that. And for the Bulls to win 62 games, and and for MJ to will this this team past, I believe, two better teams in the Jazz in the finals, and then Indiana in the conference finals. Um, you you can't say enough about the heart of a champion, and that's what the Bulls were. They they were the champions, and they played with such heart. Um, game six took place uh, June fourteenth. The commentators for the game was Bob Costas. I'm a fan of Bob Costas' work. He's you know one of the the greatest to ever do it. But he was a smug motherfucker. Boy. Ooh. Um, I forgot how smug Bob Costas could be, you know, until I rewatched this game again. And, you know, people think Joe Buck is smug. Shit, he ain't got nothing on Bob Costas. Doug Collins uh, was a color guy, uh, excellent coach, uh, even better analyst. And joining Doug Collins was Zeke. You know, Michael Jordan's best friend. You know, y'all know y'all know about their relationship from Last Dance and, you know, everything that's been said out in public, like, since the Last Dance came out. Mike and Zeke were dogs, man. They they dogs. They like Jay and Memphis Bleak. You know, they like Riggs and Murtaugh. Man, they like Ebony and Ivory. They tight. You know, uh, NBA on NBC was and for always, forever, I should say, beat the shit uh, their coverage their announcers even their tv sets were fire uh, nbc had a way of making every game feel important it didn't matter if this if it was a game in in september it didn't matter if it was a game in january it didn't matter if it was the wolves versus the raptors or the damn clippers versus the new jersey nets battling for last place they made every game feel important you know they made it feel like a big game uh, and you know, of course, they had the goat thing. Wow, and it's still the goat thing. Still. Game six starting lineups. First for the Bulls, we got Ron Harper, um, Luke Longley. You know, the waiter, Tony Kukoc, no tipping Pippin, and of course, MJ. Um, MJ's main man, Amara Shah, uh, has some information for us. Told us Pippin was nursing a bad back, and he heard it in game three of the series. Pippin had to take a painkiller before the game. Uh, the Jazz starters were Malone, uh, Coming off a great game five, had 39 points in that game five. Uh, probably the best game I've ever seen Carl Malone play um, was in game five. Uh, Jeff Hornacek, man, Jeff Hornacek was one of the most annoying players. He was sliding on you in the air, hold the shit out of you. Um, but, you know, Jeff Hornacek was a good player, though, especially, especially in his younger days in Phoenix. Uh, Byron Scott, you know, the MJ stopper. Um, Adam Keefe was their center, and you, the center for Utah was always a resol- revolving door. 
uh, that position was they just could never quite feel that with the right person. And of course, the dirtiest player in the game, woo, John Stockton. I mean, for real, one of the GOAT point guards, I mean, ever. His all-time assist record, steals record, would never be broken. I don't, not even in, in, not in our lifetime. I don't think in the next lifetime either. Um, that's one of those untouchable records. I swear, you know, watching this, I, I, I actually forgot just how white the Utah crowd was. I mean, this is the whitest crowd I've seen, man. I'm looking at the crowd. You know, as they're doing the starting lineups, and it's only four players, and you it's only four black people in Utah, and they all play for the Jazz: Malone, Antoine Parr, Antoine Carr, Howard Isley, and Shannon Anderson. I mean, shit. Even the even their starting lineups was vanilla as fuck. I mean, no thrills, no light show. They don't even turn off the lights in Utah. They're just straight to the point. Uh, Using the thing, using the, the same thing that the Bulls use for their starting lineups. Um, the Jazz had the goat home court advantage in that area. In that area, I should say. Uh, I swear, man, the stat guys always added at least four or five extra assists for John Stockton. I mean, the refs let Utah back then get away with murder. They could hack the shit out of you. Shit, Jordan could barely get a call to Utah. So, you know, that's bad. Oh, so the game's about to tip off. You know, remember what Amara Rashad said about Pip back just a few moments ago? Well, not even 20 seconds into the start of the game, Pippen threw his back out on the dunk to put the Bulls up 2 nothing. Scotty gutted it out for a couple of more minutes and then said, fuck it. I got to go get some treatment. So Scotty checked himself out the game. Uh, we also find out from Amara Rashad. And Amara was busy in this damn game. He earned his money. Uh, we found out from Amara that Ron Harper got the flu. He might not be able to play much. So right off the bat, once again, it's a shit show for the Bulls. I mean, it's 2 nothing. It ain't even a minute into the game. Now already you lose your second best player, you know, Scotty. Um, and although, you know, Scotty stayed out there for a few more minutes, you know, he was basically, he, he couldn't really do much of anything uh, due to a bad back. And I don't know if y'all, I don't know if anybody out there has played with a bad back before. I mean, if you haven't, the shit is a nightmare. I remember I, I played with a bad back before, and it was a pickup game. And um, it's just it's just crippling. You can't bend down. I mean, every step you take hurts. And, you know, obviously, every time you move your arms, it hurts. And, you know, you got guys bumping into you. It's a fucking nightmare. It really is. Um, back to the game. In the first quarter um, from jump, Carl Malone picked up where he left off in game five. Um, like I said, it was the best game I've ever seen Carl Malone play. And he picked right up from there. Uh, he came out aggressive, um, you know, attacking the basket. He wasn't set up for jump shots. Um, but despite Malone's play, 
the Bulls led by led 17 to 8 midway through the first quarter. You know, a lot of people were in their feelings already. Uh, none bigger than Jerry Sloan. Uh, Sloan got attacked and had to be held back from killing the ref over illegal defense calls. And, and, of course, he was pissed off about another call. It was a no-flopping call <laughs> that the refs didn't call. Excuse me, it was a foul that they didn't call, you know, that he wanted for Carl Malone. And, yes, Carl Malone was flopping his ass off. That's why he didn't get the call, and the refs saw it. And, yes, players flopped back then, too. You know, not all of them, but not to the degree it is now. But, yeah, we had some floppers back then. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, and, you know, as the first quarter went on and the Bulls started going to that bench, you, this is where you could see the lack of depth on all for the Bulls. Um, shit, at one point, that Phil Jackson had lined up a Kerr, Bushler, Bill Whittenson, uh Scott Burrell on the floor with MJ. I mean, and the Jazz did what the fuck they supposed to do. They loaded up on MJ. Uh, Bulls couldn't, couldn't get much of shit done on O. The Jazz rallied and took the lead by the end of the first quarter, 25-22. Uh, led by Malone, 12 points. And like I said, he was taking it to the basket. Um, you know. And as a result of him taking it to the basket, he put you know, Longley and Rodman on the bench with foul trouble. Uh, MJ had eight points at the end of the first quarter. Uh, he was only three of eight shooting in that first quarter. Now, remember when I said Amara Shaw was busy in this game? Here we go, Amara Shaw again. Back to give us an update on Pippen. And like I said, he was busy, but Amara was on his A game in this shit. Uh, Scotty will return later in the game as he informed us. Um, but you can see the lack of depth uh, on this team, especially, you know, without Scotty being out there to anchor the second unit, as he would usually do. Utah had the better bench with Antoine Carr, Shandon Anderson, and Howard Isley. That's three of the four brothers in, in, in the whole state of Utah right there. Uh, Bulls got called for four illegal defenses in 13 minutes. <laughs> Amara Rashad once again came back to inform us that Scottie Pippen had a change of heart and would not be returning to the game. Like I said, Amara was on his shit on this game. It wouldn't be the last time we hear from Amara, especially when it came to Scottie. Uh, this game was an offensive struggle for both teams. Um, this was a physical game. Um two very well-coached defensive teams. And when you look at Chicago and what they had to work with, the lower score definitely played to their advantage big time. Um, Utah had more weapons to work with. You know, Malone, Stockton, Hornacek, also the way they moved the ball to create good shots too. The big reason why the Jazz led the league in field goal percentage in 97 and 98. Uh, Utah also started crashing the offensive Class hard with, like I said, Luke Longley and Robin were in foul trouble, so it makes sense to crash the boards. It's not they can't exactly get too physical in boxing out and, and risk of picking up a foul. So Utah recognized that, and like I said, they crashed the glass hard.
Bob Costas, Zeke, and Collins did a good job of explaining the situation for Chicago without Pippen. Uh, in so many words, they said the Bulls, you know, might be cooked <laughs> uh, midway through the second quarter. This is when shit started getting good. And it basically became a showdown between MJ and Malone. They were going shot for shot. Uh, and both teams, in general, got hot from the field. Uh, Malone especially was playing with confidence. He playing with a swag, man. Malone was walking around like he was the best player in the world type shit. You know, um, MJ number one fan, Zeke made a prediction. He said, Utah better be careful. Jordan is in such a rhythm right now. This could be a 40-point game. And, you know, looking back, yeah, Zeke was right. Ding, 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 uh, Both teams got hot. And they, like I said, they traded baskets late into the second, late into the second quarter. Um, Jazz had a halftime lead of 49-45. I'm going to go through a couple of stats real quick for the halftime. Uh, Malone had 20. Um, MJ had 15 of his 23 in the second quarter. Uh, Hornacek had 11 points for the Jazz. Antoine Carr was the next highest with seven points. Um, and for the Bulls, Kukoc had 10. And from that point, basically everybody else really wasn't doing much of shit. Uh, the Jazz out-rebounded the Bulls at half by the halftime, 24-17. to 17. The most surprising part of the stats for the halftime um, Utah shot 60% from the field. Bulls shot 57%. And that shit made me, you know, twice. Like, it didn't feel like it was both teams were shooting that damn high. Um, but, you know, looking back on it, it had a lot to do with the, the last five minutes of the second quarter. Like I said, they were trading sh- buckets. All right, after halftime, Amara Rashad told us that Scottie Pippen will return. So, Scottie had another change of heart. And by this point, I was wishing Scottie make up his fucking mind. Like, if you go play, play. If you go sit, sit. All right. Shit, make up your mind, Scottie. Um, at the third, third quarter, this game got messy. Uh, all the good rhythm that they built up. By the end of the second quarter, where they were trading shots, trading shots, nah, that shit was done. Uh, both teams struggled to make shots. Um, Utah led 53-47. Um, this was a key point in the game to me. They had a chance to actually extend this lead and put get, get a good cushion between them and the Bulls, but they fucked it all up uh, with some bad turnovers, uh, missed shots, and, you know, this is an important part of the game. By the 8.53 mark, Malone and Rodman got into it. Uh, Rodman tripped Malone. Malone took a page from Rodman's playbook and tripped him. And, and you know, both both guys got teed up. Uh, Malone jumped off imitating Rodman. Rodman used to like, jump up and clap and clap and walk away with a smile on his face. Uh, this guy cost his panties in a bunch. And he mentioned Malone and Rodman wrestling match at WCW that was be a month after that. And he called wrestling bogus and fake. Why would Malone lower himself? I'm like, man, fuck you, Bob Costas. You kiss my ass. Wrestling is as real as politics. And politics is full of phonies. 
you know, some can be said wrestling is is basically a reflection of life. Is life real? But yeah, he doesn't see why Malone would lower himself. Paul Costas, man, get over yourself. All right, so back to the game and. <laughs> Back to this particular moment again with Malone and Rodman getting into it. I swear it made it seemed like it made Isaiah Thomas dick hard. I mean, he was like like he was having a flashback or something. His voice started getting high and shit. I don't know what it was about this. I and mean, I don't know, maybe he had a flashback of Mahorn giving Jordan the forearm shiver as he drove to the basket back in the Bulls and Piston rivalry. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but man, Isaiah Thomas was he was giddy over this shit, boy. And as they showed the replay, his voice got even higher. I, I thought he needed to be fanned down or some shit. And when Bob Costas asked Zeke what he thought of the whole Rodman, Malone, Exchange, Zeke said, nah, that's not a flagrant foul. That's just good hard-nosed basketball. Of course, the, nothing was a flagrant foul to the bad boy Pistons. <laughs> uh, the presence of Scotty back on the floor made a big difference. Um, as limited as Scotty was, he was still better than nothing. Um, Scotty was able to contribute in the third quarter, you know, just by posting up. Uh, he got a couple of baskets. And because of the mismatch that he created in the post with Jeff Hornacek and Stockton, you know, taking turns covering them, it actually opened up the offensive of glass. Robin was able to get get a couple of tips in, tip in as a result. Um, you know, and, I'm, and this actually gets me to another point. You know, look, if you go have a small guard, that guard guy better be Isaiah Thomas or it better be AI. Otherwise, give me a guard 6'4 and up any day. Um, you know, when you have small guards, especially small guards, that's that's your lead guard, you know, that, that you're counting on for offensive production. You know, when you get into the playoffs, those you know, small guards can be taken out of the games easier than bigger guards because of the length. You know, length neutralizes small guards unless that small guard was Isaiah Thomas or AI. You know, Isaiah Thomas especially was so special. You know, he's the only small guard that was like, that I feel was great enough to to lead a team to a chip, which he did. Um, You know, Isaiah Thomas had the dog in him. He had the heart and he had the skill. And he could take the physicality to be able to, you know, consistently score over bigger guys. So, and I think that's, like I said, I'm at this point. I used to be a big, I used to be a big fan of small having small guards, and I've kind of flipped that, you know, over the last couple of years, and just, and like I said, unless that small guard Zeke or AI give me somebody six four and over. All right, toward the end of the third quarter, Pippen had to leave again to go work out his back. Um, you know, Pippen's return to the court was crucial for so many ways. Like I said, it opened up the offensive glass. He was able to take advantage of a of a couple of mismatches with Hornacek and Stockton on him in the post. And more importantly, it gave Jordan a chance to rest for the first time in the whole damn game. 
uh, when they played through Scotty, uh, once Scotty left, uh, you know, well, well, once, well, let me just say this: once Scotty left the game again to stretch out his back, you know, MJ immediately started shooting again. You know, uh, Utah uh, closed the third quarter strong, leading 66-61. Uh, MJ had 29 points, just 10 for 24 from the field. Uh, one for his last nine for the field. So that maybe be speaks to the fatigue factor that was going on. Um, you know, Jordan, many of Jordan's shots were coming up short. And when you shooting, sh- when, when your jumpers are sh- coming up short, that means it's more of a fatigue issue. All right, the fourth quarter, this is where MJ would really submit his stats as a GOAT once and for all for me. Uh, MJ had 29 out the three. Um, just one for his last night, as I mentioned. You know, no Pippen. Uh, cool coach. Shit, I forgot cool coach was even out there. Uh, <laughs> uh, no other real offensive threat for the Bulls, yet MJ knew all this was going to be on him to carry the Bulls to the finish line. And I swear, that's the thing about MJ. In these been the playoffs, in these situations, he always seemed to raise the level of the play to new heights or where his team needed to be. And that that's what happened here. Um, you know, playing the most minutes of his career at 35, you know, fatigued, you know, no real offensive help. Um, all jazz eyes on him, yet this dude, MJ, was still able to elevate his game. And I remember Z said, and this is a quote, Jordan is Jordan was the only man he's seen that could carry a team even while fatigued. And that's exactly what MJ did. And once again, Amara Rashad got some news about Scottie Pippen. And guess what? Scottie Pippen had another change of heart, and he decided to come back to the game, which was honestly, which was key because it gave MJ a chance to rest for a moment. Uh, like I said earlier, broke back. And all half a Pippin is better than no Pippin, and you know with with no MJ, the Bulls was able to tie it up at 70 with about eight minutes left in the game. Uh, Malone, who was having a great game, was quiet in the second half. About the mid third quarter on, he didn't make another shot. Uh, looking at it now, this is where Utah needed Stockton to be aggressive on, on offense. Uh, Stockton to this point in the game only took four fucking shots. Uh, I think in hindsight, if Stockton was more aggressive, Utah might have won this series. Um, Stockton had the ability to score, you know, 22 points a night. I mean, he was a great shooter uh, from long and mid-range, and he was an underrated fin- finisher too. John Stockton was one of the dudes. He could, he was sneaky. He could actually get to the basket whenever he needed to. Um, I think in a different offense, he would have been a 22-12 and 12 guy. Um, I think the pick-and-roll offense, in a sense, kind of limited him. Uh, back to the game. Utah on offense became stagnant. Dude stopped cutting, stopped moving. Uh, Jazz couldn't get shit in transition, which became a big advantage to the Bulls. Uh, Malone had fourth turnovers in the fourth quarter he was melting down under the pressure i mean holding the ball too long not recognizing doubles uh the complete opposite of how he played in game five 
Stockton hit a J to put Utah 76-75 with just five minutes left. Uh, Pippen hit a short J to give the Bulls the lead back 77-76. Uh, I can't say enough about the heart and the guts that Pippen played with, man. Uh, without Pippen, you know, even as limited as he was, without Pippen coming back on this floor, the Bulls don't win this chip. Uh, his presence still loomed large out there. Uh, and shit, by this point, Malone was just going into four deer and headlights mode. Y'all know that guy from Carl Malone. Well, if y'all haven't seen Carl Malone play in the playoffs in a high-pressure situation or at the free throw line with any type of pressure, y'all know that guy. He just, that blank stare and, you know, just, man, like, as if, like, the deer in the headlights, that's Carl Malone. Uh, I mean, Malone just missed makeable shots. The shots that he'd been making throughout the game, throughout his career, he just could not make. I mean, he scored. He only scored four points in the fourth by this point. Uh, only scored four points in the fourth quarter period, while MJ had 16 points. You know, uh, I just, like I said, you can't say enough about how badly he was melting down under the pressure. Um, all right, 244 left in the game. Bulls down 81-79. Uh, MJ, by this point, had 37. Um, you know, Bob Costas made an interesting point. The last two games, uh, game five in this game, Jordan was just three for 14 in the fourth quarter. Uh, Malone hit an open 15-footer. I mean, he was wide open. He, Thank you, John Stockton. Because uh, John set him up beautiful. Uh, Malone, they gave Malone 31 points, and those will be his last points. And that shot put Utah up 83-79. Um, MJ got fouled, um, hit two free throws to make it 83-81. About two minutes left, MJ missed a field goal to tie it. Uh, short, you know, like I said, all his misses were short because by this point he was tired and his back was probably hurting as much as Pippen from carrying his damn offense the whole damn year and including this game. At a point, um, MJ by this point made it, a, he just said, fuck it, I'm just going to the hole as much as possible. I can't even make a shot. I'm just going to throw, I'm just going to go to the hole, for make, them, make the rest call the foul, which they did. Uh, MJ hit two free throws to tie the game at 83. Uh, Malone found Stockton for a wide open three. Bang! Uh, that put Utah up 86-83. And timeout. Um, after the time, uh, MJ scored immediately uh, to make it an 86-85 Jazz lead. Uh, this, is, this is the game right here. Malone had the ball in the post. I mean, he's in fucking four deer headlights mode. I don't know how the fuck he didn't see MJ sneaking around from the from the back of him. I mean, MJ's pretty hard to miss. I mean, a ball six six motherfucker. Okay, you kind of hard not to miss him, uh, but he snuck around, uh, stripped Malone of the ball, and MJ got the ball, dribbles it down. Dribbles the clock down from 17 seconds to about five seconds when MJ hit Byron Russell with the push off. I mean, um, the crossover. Um, 
buried the game winning 15 footer with about five seconds left with the iconic pose with the arm in the in the air uh and this is what prompted Zeke to say, why the, why didn't Utah double? <laughs> you know, um, Zeke made a suggestion early in the fourth quarter. I doubled Michael every time he touched the ball. You can't let him beat you. And that's exactly what Utah did. Um, Bulls win 87-86. Um, Michael get the sixth chip. Um you know, the fact that, you know, I can't say enough about, you know, the three-man group of, of Costas, Zeke, and Collins. Uh, they did just a great job of just explaining the situation, explaining the stakes. stakes. They brought insight. You know, like I said, no dumbass takes from NBA or NBC, just straight facts. Um, you know, I'm not sure if you guys already knew this, but. You know, the Bulls won the game and they won the championship. <laughs> uh, so it was a, it was a great, great game. Um, you know, not not the prettiest game. You know, it wasn't the t- you know, it wasn't a classic. You know, it wasn't going to be an offensive classic because um, the Bulls and Jazz, they play very similar styles. So in that sense, you know, styles may fight. So um I would say game six was the best play game of the series overall. Um, the Bulls complete the second three-peat. Um, you know, MJ win finals MVP, obviously. And, you know, for Utah, you got to go back. They have to go back at this as a missed opportunity. Um, you know, just turnovers. Um you know, lack of aggression from Stockton, uh, Malone melting down, um, just a missed opportunity for Utah. Utah would never get back to the finals again. Um, you know, although Malone and and Stockton would keep the Jazz, you know, a quality team, they never reach this level again. And for the Bulls, I mean, y'all know the shit. Y'all know the history. Kraus dismounted the Bulls. MJ retired. Pippen got paid and traded to the Rockets. Um, the Bulls went to the straight toilet <laughs> after this. Um, you know, no free agent with any star power would join Chicago for a very long time. Um, and, you know, it was basically the premature end of a dynasty. You know, would the Bulls have come back in 99 and 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 won a fourth straight title some people think they do i don't think they would have i don't i think this team was on fumes and they desperately would needed to rebuild in order to win another chip but we will never know that for sure so jazz window sham slammed shut by the bulls and the bulls windows were sham slammed shut by their organization so, all right, y'all. Hey, appreciate y'all for listening. Uh, I'll be back real soon to talk about the greatest proud pop in WWE history and some of the headlines around it. Peace out, y'all. Y'all be safe. Uh, have a good one. Later.